This Agile Life, episode 96, direct from Agile 2015 in Washington, D.C. Natalie, what is the name of this podcast? We like big boards and we cannot lie. Those other brothers can't deny. The software industry transforms more and more every day. Agile methods are quickly replacing traditional ones. The question is, are you agile enough? This podcast is devoted to agile and lean software development. Time to welcome your agile coaches on This Agile Life. Wow, so, hey, we're at Agile 2015, we're just talking about stuff, so this is This Agile Life with a whole bunch of people here at Agile 2015 in Washington, D.C., so, uh, I'm going to interrupt you, Jason, it's not just This Agile Life, we also have... to the Agile Revolution. Indeed, it's Greg. And Renee. And interrupting with Natalie. <laughs> and the thing is, you guys are smart because you just turned the recorder on. I, I, like I said, we wanted to plan, plan, plan a lead-in. And so who knows what you're going to edit out of that. But uh, let's talk about some stuff. So if you're here and you've joined us, uh, introduce yourself. And maybe we'll, uh, I'll get a clock out. So we'll make sure we go through a few topics. And we'll talk for about 30 minutes tonight. How about that? Sounds great. Right, who wants to start? We're going to start right here with, we're gonna start right here with Troy. So I'm looking straight at him. Right. Introductions. Yes. So Troy Tuttle, I'm a lean agile coach based out of Kansas City, Kansas, and I find uh, I find a lot of value in in complexity and systems thinking and apply it to organizations. All right, Troy, anything you want to talk about? Um, I'll go with the flow. Okay, yeah. so you're going to pass. Yeah. Uh, who's next? Stephen Vance. I'm uh, the director of Agile at Zipcar. Uh, quick little shout out to uh, Meryl Lamont, number one uh, This Agile Life fan, who was on uh, the Agile Games uh, podcast with you guys a while back. He just wanted me to say that. Um, <laughs> no, anyway, I, um, I like blending sort of, uh, you know, sort of good analytics, people stuff, and systems thinking with a lean flavor into my organizational transformation. Okay, well, can we get, can we like start a topic right now just for people? Because, Stephen, I know one thing you wanted to talk about was you have your own version, your own framework, right, to scale. Yes. So I know, Natalie, you might have some thoughts on that. So are you throwing me under yeah, I am. zip car? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so can, tell us what you're doing. Like, give us we an have elevator. zip vans, too, just not zip buses. <laughs> so give us an elevator pitch for your approach, and if you can, how what makes it unique? So I'm almost reluctant to call it a framework. Framework, but just because it exists and has some parameters, it is a framework. I'd almost call it an unframework. And specifically, I don't enforce a particular way of practicing Agile on the teams themselves as long as they meet a certain contract with the organization. The idea is that we, we have a certain way of formulating work, and so they take work from a queue as a team and at a larger and that's when they do the breakdown. They have a certain minimum set of requirements in terms of continuous integration, which facilitates the coordination sharing of source bases. Um, in terms of uh, coding standards, there are some practices that are sort of suggested. And then they have to be able to produce some level of working software of a certain quality and some level of forecasting and progress reporting 
to facilitate you know the larger organizational thing but within those parameters everything else we don't tell them how to estimate we don't tell them whether to do stand-ups anything like that you know we also expect continuous improvement but within that it's entirely between the team and their coach okay someone ask Stephen a question about his framework please what have you called it outcome oriented agile I do not want to put a label on it okay so it's otherwise known as symbol I would buy into something like outcome-oriented, agile, uh, better than most of the labels I've thought of. Yes. Ooh, ah. Uh, that would be the acronym. I'm just... That will, oh, wow. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> I love me some acronyms. Ooh, ah. TLAs are good. So yes. I guess, Stephen, a question I have is, is there any particular reason why your organization went down this road as opposed to not using one of the, I want to see the more marketed frameworks that we've heard about in Agile 2015, safe, less, any of those? Um, I'm of the opinion that Scrum can't last you forever, um, and also that uh, things like normalizing story points go entirely against the grain of what they're supposed to do, and that we have this thousands of year old way to uh, roll up forecasts between teams. It's called a calendar. And so why do we need to tell them how to say something in, in the terms of that calendar as long as they can say something in terms of that calendar? And besides, this allows teams to individually move their own directions and then cross-pollinate as they see fit rather than uh, rubber stamping something. So what do you do when a team is not performing? Everybody has a coach. Everyone has a coach? Everybody has a coach. Okay. Yeah, we, we call them Scrum Masters because that's a label that the uh, organization knew how to make sense of from an HR perspective. But I'm hiring people who are coaching capable, and we have a community of practice among the, the coaches where we trade experiences and help each other out to, you know, if something gets stale, somebody else will step in and help facilitate things, especially if the coach wants to be more of a participant. Okay. Is there a predefined set of things that the team must do and that's provided to them and say that, you know, like whether it be metrics or certain things, are you, are you providing them some guardrails or... It's, yeah, there's, um, I mean, really everybody started with Scrum mm -hmm. and have evolved to things that aren't recognizable as Scrum anymore in a lot of ways, in for most of the teams. So um, they started with that common basis, and there are the things that were like some of the static analysis, code coverage, also part of how I initially engaged with Zipcar as a an independent consultant was as a player coach, so I, as a technical coach. So I came in and did TDD and pair programming training and actually embedded in the team and coded with them anywhere from one to three months. So I've coded with almost every engineer on staff. And, but use that as a platform to sort of move out into coaching in other areas and then eventually hired in and now don't do much coding. All right, so Stephen, i got a challenge for you. Yes. So since we do want to go through a few topics tonight, so you should take what you've told us. Number one, I'm sure we'll, um, can people look you up on LinkedIn? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so we'll put that on the show notes. But also, um, you should write, you should submit an experience report for Agile 2016 in, in Atlanta, mm -hmm. and you can come and tell us more about this framework and maybe give us some learnings that you have about why you think it provides value versus some of the other approaches that are out there. And, and how it's different from uh, Fred George's program at Anarchy would be interesting. Okay. All right, so next topic. I'm watching the clock here, so we have some variety. Ah, anyone else want to throw? Here we go. We have someone that was at Bean Coffee this morning who I, I think I heard wanted to go to happy hour. 
That's a great intro right there, huh? Yeah, how about that? So, so person who wants to go to happy hour, who are you? Hi, I'm Abby Bangzer. I'm a QA with ThoughtWorks out of Chicago. Um, and yes, I was a first-time conference speaker this year, and so I am going to go to the speaker happy hour shortly. So We have a speaker happy hour? Yeah. I didn't so know that. <laughs> See ya. Maybe we should be on the DevOps track. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's a track. Well, I, mean, I bet you have to have spoken to have done that. I haven't spoken yet. I'm on Friday. So, so what, you, did you want to ask a question about something? I mean, so the reason that I'm back here, I think, from the Lean Coffee was we were speaking a bit about uh, kind of scrum boards being something which covers from ideation all the way through to deployment. Uh, and so what I did speak about is as a QA, you can sometimes get a little bit stuck in testing that feature. Um, and what I tend to break out of that box and try and get involved in, in quality of all the way through to production and the deployment process because being quality on the development machine isn't really worth it. So it was an interesting concept that was raised. Um, and I was a huge fan of the idea. So. Um, yeah, where that stemmed from, I'll share since I, I injected a topic about big boards and we were all making jokes about, we like big boards at Lean Coffee, was uh, an experience report we talked about our, on episode 95 uh, of This Agile Life that Melanie Hopwood gave about uh, her team and they have a product board that's full life cycle. And then even a few people after the session and then also even a few people on Twitter actually posted comments about like, maybe you should make your board smaller and your process simpler. And what, what, what came out of the Lean Coffee that I think you brought up, Abby, is that there's value in seeing the whole thing. So by a show of hands, we got one, we got about, we got nine people around, no, 10 people around the table here. Uh, who thinks it's a good idea? Like big boards or not big boards or? Thumbs up. Thumbs up, okay, so we, we're all gonna have fun with this big boards thing, so. Uh, all right. Anyone else? Like, so who's got? A, does anyone else have a full a full lifecycle product board? Like I guess we described at Lean Coffee. Yeah. I think I think one of the things that uh, we've spoken about, Renee and I've spoken about before, is you at least want to be able to look left and right of the board. So whether it makes sense to have it on your board in the team, if that's part of a large program, maybe it doesn't make sense. But at some point, you do need to look left and right of your team to see what's coming downstream, what's going out. And for those that may not recognize that voice, that is Craig Smith from the Agile Revolution. That's so awesome. we haven't kind of deviated from our introduction. That was fun. So, so let me ask a question then. Why do we think people don't have these big boards? If we're saying at this table here that we think there's value in this practice, why don't we see that more in the community as practitioners? Can I turn the question sideways? Go for it, Troy. Okay. So I don't know that it's a matter of size, although it's nice to be seeing That's song. what she said. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hey, hey, where's the happy hour? Yeah. I'm going. So... It, I think the goal is to visualize, if, if you're doing, you know, so from, from the Kanban world, the goal would be to visualize reality. And if your reality is big and messy and long, visualize it, right, and find the problems with it. And if it's small and short and compact, uh, then visualize that, right? And whether it's big or small, it doesn't matter. I, I think the important thing with visual, in, with visual management is to visualize reality, not an ideal, is the key. And that's what we spoke a lot about in Lean Coffee was that when you talk about make it simpler, 
cool, but you can't make it simpler if you're not honest about where you start. So if 36 feet is indicative of the fact it's too much, yeah. great, but let's figure out, let's put it out there, be honest about it, and figure out what we can pull. The 36 um, feet is telling us something. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I actually make a reference in one of our previous pre presentations around if your work's uh, in that complicated space, then you can have a really simple board. If it's in the complex space, then you actually need to have a wide board, which does represent your full value stream map. And I think this might be a case where the tools limit what we think of as possible. Yeah. It's hard to fit that big of, and that complex a board on even the widest of screens. Yeah, definitely. So I have a question about this. How do you think the, the, a big board impacts a team and their ability to focus on the work at hand and not what's coming and, and the, the grandeur of it all? Any thoughts on that? So I've had a team once that had a, about a seven metre wide board, which had a hundred cards on it. Uh, we still managed to get through the daily scrum in 10 minutes and it was really, really valuable, the discussions. So yeah, we looked for the outliers, what wasn't moving, what was moving, um, but it's still just as effective. Because we've, we've been experimenting with teams with, you know, limiting work in progress and having them laser focused and have had some successes by removing the noise. From, from the team. So, you know, like it's kind of two different ways of doing the same thing, you know, getting to that end goal, but with a different focus. Big picture down to laser focused. And, and I, I think there's value in both based on where the team is um, in in their their journey. So, uh, but it is still a different approach that people can take. What I'd be worried about with the lasered focus is, is job happiness and kind of connectedness to the business value that you're producing as a development team. Um, I've been on teams that developers have felt that it was a waste of their time to go to showcases um, and that they were getting pressure to get stories out. They didn't have time for those showcases. And that showed to me that they didn't actually feel a connection to the value you're producing for our end users. And I think that a board like this that can show the value you're going to be providing and why we're moving in certain directions um, can target your questions about uh, maybe story breakdowns and things to actually is that implementable and not like do you agree or disagree. You're like, oh, I see where you're coming from on that. But to implement it, we have these other questions. I'm just wondering if you as a QA uh, or someone with UX designer or somebody being able to see forward must be a, a bonus because you don't you're not always just testing the software but you want to test the ideas uh, that are coming down to it right absolutely I mean there's that whole school of context driven testing and I think that that's the idea of that you only have to worry about what matters for the value you're providing um, and so we were in a session earlier this morning uh, with Lisa Crispin and Emma and, and they were talking about how you test an input field is going to be very different or form to be very different if it's going to be used mobile or web. It's going to be very different if you're targeting adults or children. Um, and that's why it's good to know if you're shifting focus of the product as a whole. Yeah. All right. Thank you for sharing. So, go get a drink. I will stay. You guys are really throwing me under the drinking bus here. Because I don't. For those listening, I am still here and with no beers in front of me. I don't know where it is. You can tell where it is. You'll be double fisting by the time you get down. We know. Let's do a few more. We're doing about five minutes. We're not doing. We don't have the bean coffee buzzer, but who wants to throw another one out there and introduce yourself? Sure, I'll go. Who are you? Uh, hi, I'm uh, Jenny Tarwater, also an Agile coach from Kansas City, uh, like Troy. 
Um, what I get excited about is uh, new organizations that are just discovering this fantastic way to examine things and get feedback and adapt and change as you go. And so um, I've spent a lot of time at the conference um, going to um, talks and workshops about how to learn these concepts. And they've been fun. So what did you do today then? So one of the things I did today with Jason Tice was uh, we went to Waterfall Theater in which we learned how to iteratively create sketch comedy. No, let's let's be specific. We put on a show. We did. We put on a 12-minute sketch comedy show about waterfall development. Yeah. So John Grinsaw, uh, Crescent. Cre Crescent. Crescent, well, there we go. I just learned. Uh, he facilitated this, and it was great, and we did ship. Yes, we shipped. We've had four teams that shipped. So, and um, I believe there were elements of this have been posted on Twitter and on YouTube. So, you can we will attempt to find some evidence. If not, go watch the tweet stream from Agile 2015. But just put yourself in a picture here. Imagine using waterfall techniques to go to Starbucks or to what was the one your group did again? Uh, we kind of did um, the uh, the arc of a couple that dated and got engaged and then grew old together. Yeah, and, and I know I the group that. Us and we did. We're gonna plan this trip to uh, Disney World, yeah. and we kept planning and planning and planning. And then at the very end, after we had invested a lot of time to plan, our kids decided they wanted to go to see. Um, uh, oh, who was it? Oh, I don't so Katy Perry. Yeah. We to go to Katy. So we took the plan and we ripped it up because we love to rip up things. Oh, on you the love to rip yes. things yeah. up. So, yeah. So yeah. So that was cool. Yeah. And then the second game today was really cool. It was uh, based off the uh, Cards Against Humanity game, but it was Cards for Agile. Now, what was that? It was. Uh, so for those of you who haven't played Cards Against Humanity, you have ten cards with phrases on it, a question with a blank is proposed, and you try and fit your words into that blank, and you can try and be funny about it or extremely accurate. And so we had a lot of fun with using uh, agile buzzwords to answer agile questions, and it really got you thinking about some pretty funny concepts. Can you give us an example of one? Oh boy. Um, well, I I, the first one I can think of is uh, you can make a retrospective go better with blank and the winning card was vodka. So that was obviously a more humorous one. But then there was some um, uh, really nice uh, kind of things like what is it that, ad that executives get in our way with, right, and stuff. And we say things like PowerPoints. Yeah. And who did that session, by the way, the Cards Against Humanity? The Cards Against Humanity yeah. session was done by Bob Payne and Beth Miller. Okay, awesome. We'll put that in the show notes so you guys can check it out. Um, all right, anything else? No. Do you want to plug your conference? Um, yeah, I do. Well, first, I want to say that I'm in competition for the number one fan for this Agile Life, so thank you very much. I'm being a little celebrity awestruck right now. Um, but and, yeah. and you found the Agile Revolution, so you got to listen to that now as well. <laughs> yeah, no, now, yeah, less time on the weekends for me to do things I'm supposed to do. Um, but yeah, no, Troy and I, uh, this is actually Troy's brainchild here. Um, we're putting on a Lean Agile Kansas City conference in October. Troy, would you like to... Talk about it. 2015.leanagilekc.com. And so the idea is what I noticed about our local community was that people would have conferences and the developers would have their conference and they go off to a corner, right, and do their thing. And, and leadership would have their conference and they go off to a corner. And BAs and QAs would have their conference and go off to a corner. And no one's talking about this stuff together. So the idea is to bring 
all these cross-functional, or all these different specialties together in a cross-functional way, which we're supposed to be doing to help solve these things. So, you have a date, right? It's October 2015. October 27th. Okay, so 27th. right before Thanksgiving, end of October, um, I know when this goes live, I don't believe you'll be selling tickets, but tickets will go on sale. Um, and I know uh, John and myself are going to be there, uh, where I'm sure there'll be craziness occurring. So, um, yeah. All right. Let's move on. Who else wants to talk? And by all means, if, if you got Craig or Renee, you guys want to get in and do so, talk about something, go for it. You're, you're hosting. I'm hosting. Well. I'm hosting your podcast. Okay. That's it. This is a nice, relaxing podcast. We've, we've outsourced right? the podcast. <laughs> you have. Oh, I see. Okay. Hey, you offshored it. That's it. Oh. That's all stand offshore. Yes. Anyone else? But they say that they say offshoring sometimes decreases the quality, so we're going to have to assess that. <laughs> so I want to talk about uh, Jeff Sutherland's talk, which I actually don't have the name of it in front of me. So if someone oh, I was at the same one. This is fantastic. Uh, so it was Jeff and Dan Greening. Yeah, and agile leadership. Was, yeah, something about leadership. I knew it was. Um, so I was happy and angry at exactly the same time throughout the whole talk yeah. and and the reason why I was really happy was it was great to see um, a, a luminary thought leader founder of Scrum finally talking about things other than Scrum um, but without necessarily giving it the kudos that maybe he should have and and what was also interesting was um, I, I guess you know I, I was frustrated because it's been so long that it took him to do to get to that point so there's lots of references to economic views which is actually Don Reineston's work there's lots, lots of references to master autonomy and purpose which is Dan Pink's drive work there's references to Kanban limiting work in progress um, and there was some really interesting jabs at people inside of it too which I felt was slightly offensive yeah would you give us an for those that were not there could you give us an example of one of those just aside from the high level points and if, if not then that's okay I'd be happy to okay uh, there was a lot of reference to holding somebody's hand um, in particular to somebody that is uh, very well known for, for uh, doing uh, retrospectives and and uh, that is uh, um, it, yeah I, I you know I, I completely agree with you Renee there was a lot of kind of oh wow did that just happen kind of moments um, so and uh, and even and it, it even started off in somewhat of a uh, a jabbing tone with uh, both between both um, Jeff and Dan like, wow okay I missed the front yeah okay. yeah they was like oh fancy that you're kind of famous Jeff and then it sort of like went back and forth God, okay. I hope they don't listen to this podcast they've got more important things to do right <laughs> Well, the thing that's interesting, I, I wrote this note uh, in a prior Lean Coffee session, um, and it's just it's something I've heard, you know, sometimes we call ourselves like we talk about cat herding. Yeah. You know, it's like, does that have a negative connotation? Because it's like, we should be empowering people, we should be helping them learn, but just the, the nature of kind of cat herding. I guess I will posture to say that I think that's a little that's a little that could that's somewhat negative. Yeah, yeah right. So yeah. yeah. Um, so I was in that talk as well, um, and 
experienced some of what you guys experienced. Um, but there were two things that were interesting that I took away from it. Yes. Um, one was um, this idea that your retrospective should yep. start your sprint. Yep. As in creating what it is you want to possibly change and experiment with, and that should kick off the work. So I thought that was kind of cool. I thought, it was, I thought it was really good. I was really actually mm. pleased with that change. I was just thought it was odd that it was, this is the way it was always meant to be. And I'm going, uh, no, you've changed it. But that's okay. I mean, it's okay to change. It's okay to say, hey, we've got it wrong, wrong, we've changed it, and we're now going to think about it more as an experiment. Great. And I, I don't think you would find that there are hundreds, if not thousands, of teams that have already done that and yeah. not felt to yeah. call it out yeah. as a, yeah, you were wrong. Uh, but, see, but you used to be doing scrum butt if you did that. <laughs> yeah. And then the second thing I noticed, and um, it's because um, I went to a uh, talk yesterday by uh, Troy McGinnis, and Dan was supporting that talk. And it was interesting because if you remember, Jeff at the end said, a perfect scrum team we've decided is not seven plus or minus two, it's five. And just the day before, in the same uh, conference with the same Dan, the answer in that one was that it's 15 because you're trying to eliminate dependencies. And there was a whole thought about that. And it just made me recognize that with Agile, we have to be careful, you know, when we're talking to new people because I'm confused, you know, and I'm hearing two different. See, I thought that was limiting features into a sprint to five. It was team size, wasn't it? Uh, it kind of seemed to go back and forth between the two. I think it, I think you're both like, yes, but yeah. you're both right. Was the, that it was uh, five uh, features or concepts, yeah. um, because the, uh, it's too much for your brain to to um, control, like to handle. Whoa, whoa, whoa! That, you're telling me that Scrum is limiting work in progress. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Hence the yeah. angry and happy at the same time. There you go. All right. How else do you get twice the work done in half the time? Oh, um, yes, yeah, of course, yeah. 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 actually said up to 15 before you start to have a fairly That's precipitous true. fall off. And, and so he was putting that in the context of if you can coalesce teams in order to minimize dependencies, um, you can actually go that large. And he had some pretty, you know, pretty compelling argument for that without having a precipitous fall off in the performance of the team. I think with, with all of these and across the, the week of sessions is that probably what new people coming into to Scrum, Agile, whatever, and I think there's about 40% of people to this uh, in the conference are first new. Time. Yeah, they're new or like both yeah, into new, the conference. Yeah, right. new and first time. Um, Yes. Um, we try to be politically correct when Amos is not here. Yeah, no. you know what? So you've got three Australians on here. There's not a chance. Right. <laughs> um, so I think that that uh, there's a tendency for some presenters to pre present as if their word is law. And I'm going to give Renee a shout out. And, and so I've had several colleagues say the same thing. Renee is so laid back when she was giving her presentation, and and it was not officious. It was it was very um, it was very consumable and it didn't feel like you must do this or you're failing and I think that there's other sessions that I've been to where it felt like this is the only way to do it and for, for newbies to hear that that's incredibly confusing 
I think that there needs to be a little bit more of an attitude of these are options. You need to evaluate each individual, you know, situation and apply and try, you know, what you know what you think may work best. But that, I mean, to call it like it is, that's jockeying in the market because there's a lot of new people here who want help, who want to buy training, who want to buy coaching, and so of course people are going to jockey and say, hey. Check me out. It's the best thing ever. So, I guess my response to that then is, if if that if the intention of this conference is to to educate and not sell, mm. um, then perhaps you know, like it needs to be more transparent as to to that Which is one the, doing? Yeah. yeah, yeah. The interesting thing is you can't. And uh, you know, Jason, you're a track chair. I've been a track oh. chair previously. Um, <laughs> but 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 you can't tell that in a in a in a summary. So uh, you can you can take something about maybe who's presenting it, but you don't want to bias the decision on that. It's you can look at something, and I'm sure every one of those talks, and I know I reviewed lots of them, and I've seen some of them, and some have been good, and some of them I think how did the heck did that even get through? You know, and I'm gonna just do I'm gonna. I'm going to say this here, and actually, I, it's something I was going to submit to like Bob Payne for next year because the whole help track this year was an experiment. Well, yeah, you know, and I was on, I was and, on and, that. Yeah, but an experiment, an, an idea I have that we actually, I, I know we talked about it, and we were saying, could we do this help or not? I think it would be very interesting to figure out if there would be a way to do some type of like video style interviews with submitters as part of the evaluation process. Like literally, ten minute Skype call, sit down with someone like the track chairs, and like have a conversation just like we're doing to kind of see what they're going to talk about and yes someone could game it but i would say another cool thing is the that could be made fully transparent so put them all on youtube and then if people well, want maybe to submit by video yeah, yeah. You can, maybe well, do maybe do a lightning version, five minutes of your talk. Well, that's a good idea, but I, I like the idea of having a conversation. You know, we write user stories to have conversations. Write a conference proposal that's like a user story, and then as part of the evaluation, let's have a conversation about it. There, I know there's work involved, and I would think that maybe there's the need to like do kind of a figure out how we make that scalable. But I think there's an idea there that may improve, that would give us better data to make better choices for the program. I think it's a great idea. I don't know. What it's scalable across the, you know, the thousands of submissions that come in, but I certainly I think if you even get through that first round or yes, something. Yes, the, the way I would say is like the, to do some type of a prelim vote and then kind of screen yeah. down and and use that to make the final selection. But um, so I was gonna I'm gonna submit that to Bob Payne, who's the uh, not Bob Payne, Bob Sarney. There's too many Bobs in the address <laughs> space. So Bob Sarney, who's the uh, conference chair for uh, 2016, and we'll we, there are lots of great ideas. If he likes it, he can roll with it. If not, we'll go from there. So, want to do one more topic and then we'll wrap it up? Anyone else got one more? Or are we all so dying to go to happy hour? Still here. Just <laughs> Thank you, Abby. Yeah. No, still for, for the listeners, she actually ducked out and just came back. <laughs> yeah, she brought us all drinks, we wish. <laughs> Clink. Anyone else? If not, I got one way to wrap it up. So I can, um, uh, I can suggest, suggest something. Okay, yeah. so this is a new voice. This is? Serge Beaumont. Okay, I'm, so a, I'm an agile consultant from the Netherlands. And uh, I, with respect to expertise, I tend to do large-scale implementation, so 25 teams at the same time, 15 teams at the same time, stuff like that. Also smaller ones. Uh, product ownership I do a lot about. And uh, what I've noticed, so I've, I've been around for quite some years. I've also, last one, I, Agile 2000X I've been, was 2010. And one of the things I really noticed that, or if you have a lot of experience, the, 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 or the, the whole tracks this year, were pretty much elementary or introduction stuff. Mm. Um, and that does make sense, because all the people I've talked to are very new. I 
think uh, most of the people around the table here probably already in this space for some quite some years, maybe 10, maybe 15, I don't know. Uh, but there's a whole new world of people to to uh, to help to address. So I basically for the whole week ducked out of most of the presentations. I sat about back there near the scrum alliance booth, and I've been coaching, and that's been tons of fun uh, to help people to yeah, get some one-to-one -one conversations out. It's also very interesting to see um, what the things are that people nowadays have issues with. My experience is like the old stuff plus enterprise scaling, which tends to be the addition of the new. So I was wondering what your experience there is in this, the, what the new generation wants. So I can echo that uh, today I had probably one of the best couple of hours of conversation, which was completely impromptu. Uh, I was, uh, I actually, I was a booth bitch today. Uh, and um, somebody came by, so Chris Sterling was there with me and it just happened to introduce me to, uh, I'm going to get the name, hopefully I get the name, sorry, Brent Martin and David Hussman. Um, and we had conversations about team health, retrospectives, conflict, and it was completely informal and so educational. And I think that to get that sort of, you know, like that next level of, of um, learning, it, the, the open spaces and the dev jams are, are the key to, to go to. Um, and I think, so I think that the conference has done a great job with that this year as far as, you know, like having that available, for, you know, if the tracks are not they like it. Yeah, I know I said on the the uh, episode from last night that that I was not here that for. you were not here for because we don't know where you went. But we all won stuff. The um, like I sat down with Troy McGinnis. So I guess what I would say is obviously, and I know I wrote a blog post before the conference that to like check out Open Jam and like go to the coaching clinic, which is free, so you can sit down with it with someone with experience. And these are things, even though most people will probably hear this after the Agile 2015 has has ended. But these are things that occur frequently at many Agile conferences. So I know I've volunteered as a coach in like a coach's clinic at multiple conferences. So if you make, if you decide to make that investment to show up, I would almost encourage you, challenge yourself to not spend all your time in the sessions. Like, so take a session and just exit off and say, I'm gonna walk around and meet people, maybe go to a coaching session, maybe maybe either sit in the open jam or offer to hold an open jam session and, and have that experience, especially if you're just getting started. What's the well, I think I think the thing that yeah, people often have this investment that I'm going to this conference, I have to see all the presentations I want, or there's that fear that you come into an open jam and you're going to look crazy, but it's like this, what we're doing around here is just throw it, you can throw a question out in an open jam, you don't have to present on something, you can say, I want to know about this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think you find most people in the Agile community are, are pretty open to, to wanting to help, so don't be afraid if you haven't been to that type of thing. But however, my experience has been, because uh, I've been an open space moderator for many years as well, uh, in the Netherlands with, uh, with all kinds of things, I have found that you cannot, it's hard to combine them. If you have uh, conference tracks, and at the same time in open space, uh, you, it's really hard because the open space doesn't fill up. You want a lot of people, a lot of people walking around, a lot of sessions going on. And I think it's much better if you do either one or the other. Uh, I think the Scrum Gathering of 2011, I don't know, it was, it was one of those ones in Orlando. The last day was full open space. Actually, the really cool thing that uh, uh, Owen Harrison was there, the, the guy who invented the whole thing. Uh, he was there, he was kind of the, the moderator for it, and it was just all open space all the time with everybody. And 
that's insanely cool because then you get real conversations, you get these groups and everybody's in that same mode because that's what you really need with an open space. You need the whole group, everybody to be in the same mode. So what I'd like to see for the next Agile 2016 is to have the last day just to be all open space all the time. I think that would be awesome. So two thoughts on that, because number one, what you're what you're talking about there, Serge, that's the that's the model we use for like Agile games. We're like the last day of the conference was open space, and yeah. that, that works very well. Um, the other one is just I, I want to report on the experience here, since um I guess I think I'm the only person at the table who went, went to the coaches clinic that was held in Washington D.C. the two days immediately prior to the start of the conference. So I guess I am now on my sixth full day of Agile. So two days coach camp, four days conference, and. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> so that was so. The question about doing an open space on day five of a of a of the Agile 2016 conference would be: Would people still be engaged? Because it's a pretty long week, and open space is probably more engaging than going to set conference sessions. So I, it'd be an interesting experiment, but I, I I wonder if people would still be engaged for the challenge. And I was thinking more around to your comment around. You know the difference between expertise inside of the, yeah. the conference itself, and it's something that we were considering inside of Australia. Is is having this ability to split beginners versus experts and have some content for experts potentially in the program, or just to render to both of those audiences more evenly. Yeah, and also the, the level of depth, because what I've really liked in, in the coaching, uh, the coaching I've done in the coaching in those coaching clinics is because it's a conversation, just like you would have. In open space. I mean, you can really get deep down into the, the problems that they have, uh, talk to some issues, and generally, I mean, a lot of teams come back. But all teams have trouble with integrating incidents into their regular work. All teams, they, they all have trouble. Some teams can keep coming over and over, not getting story points. Uh, I know. There's a whole boatload of those things. But at the same time, they have this unique way, uh, or their organization doesn't see the issue in their own unique way. You really have to drill down into that. So, to my mind, the whole reason open space exists is, you know, it was about the conversation outside of the regular sessions. That's how it existed. So, I think that is super valuable, especially to bring like the new and the old together to have a conversation. So, are you are you going to go see uh, Dan uh, Mesnick talk about that tomorrow? Uh, Probably I haven't. Oh, I, I live from day to day actually. Oh, you live okay. Yeah. So he's doing a session about use, using open space more frequently than agile on Friday morning. So, okay. um, well, so here's a fun way to wrap this up here. So uh, let's do a lightning round in terms of tonight is the party. <coughs> if you're not going to the party, I guess you can pass. Or you can just make something up. We were asked to wear superhero costumes. So what are you going to wear? I'll go ahead and start. I didn't bring a costume, but if I had a costume, it would be Raven. Okay, and the reason we're <laughs> doing this is we're going to tweet these pictures out for fun, okay? So, Natalie's Raven, Renee. Uh, so, so, I'll probably take my improv anti-hero person, Skank Girl. Yes! <laughs> okay. Craig. Uh, well, I didn't bring a costume either because it was so hard to bring it in, in luggage. It was like, do I bring underwear or a costume? And so... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going commando, so there you go. You know, it's quite a choice. I, I, so, you can be underwear man. Well, I thought of going as Invisible Man, but then someone said, "Well, don't bother turning up." So I'm just going as I'm just going as Agile Dude. Okay, Abby. Those are all much more clever answers than I. I also do not have a costume for tonight, so. I've got a Wonder Woman t-shirt. Yes. Oh, yay. Someone check the box. Surge. I think if there's any superhero that goes well with the drink, it must be Iron Man. Because the guy is a drunk. 
<laughs> and the suit is awesome. So I actually I didn't know that this whole thing was going on, the superhero thing before I came here, so I didn't take anything. But if I would have been here, it would have been as Iron Man with a stiff drink in my hands. So. <laughs> um, I'm so envious of that answer. Can I be like Mrs. Iron Man? Oh yeah, well, okay, good. Yeah. Drinking hands. Yes and. Yes and. It's a bit of a stretch, but I am already in costume as the alter ego of the tick. Okay, let's this see. is what he wore in his day life. You, you, we tweet that one out right now, okay. <laughs> Steve Vance, okay. So, Troy. Troy uh, so, I, I guess I, I would go around to all the superheroes and tell them to leave because heroes have no place on Agile Teams. Wow. Um, and I'm going to go through my vendor shirts upstairs and throw one of them on, and we'll figure that out. So, But guess what? That's all the time because there's a party to go to, right? Or something. So we thank everyone for listening to our joint podcast with the Agile Revolution and also the Agile Life and great people that we've met here at Agile 2015. So if you're listening to us, we will put some show notes up that have links to the talks and various things we talked about, including the ability to reach out to Steven or Troy or um, Serge. Can we put your information? Okay, so Serge out there if you want to connect and follow up with them. If you have feedback, just let us know one way or another. We're pretty easy to get a hold of on Twitter. And that's it. So thanks for listening and keep living this Agile life. What we say? This Agile Life is brought to you by a community of Agile developers and coaches aspiring to spread the word about this groundbreaking approach to software development. Join us at thisagilelife.com forward slash community.